This week on Tea with Queen and Jay, grown-ass women on film. Our homegirl, Lucretia Berry, joins us as we review the Netflix film, 40-Year-Old Version. Talk about the politics of being grown with no kids. There are politics, I promise. Black New York, sex, and mad other shit. It's Tea with Queen and Jay, people. Drink up. Hi. Hey, girl. How are you today? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Actually, let me take these earrings off. You're jangling, I'm... baby. Go yeah, ahead. I am. <laughs> jingle, jangle. Jangling. <laughs> I don't know what that's from, but. Probably something Eddie Murphy said at some point. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I had a really good day. I had a good week. Okay, that's great. Yeah, my only setback, my birthday is coming up. And we're still in covid Oh, I was about to say, your setback is your birthday is coming up. <laughs> that, wasn't a, that sentence wasn't a good setup. The only setback is my birthday is coming up. That was like the first oh. thing I heard. What <laughs> <laughs> like the fuck? My birthday is coming up and we're still in quarantino. I have a December birthday. And why are we still in fucking quarantino, yo? I don't understand. I do why? not understand. Why? It's really, <sighs> it's upsetting me and my homegirls. I'm a very laid-back birthday person, all I really like to do is go outside, mm-hmm. go to the movies, yeah, have a nice meal, not in the frost of the outdoors of NYC, <laughs> like to maybe be indoors, you know, a little fine dining maybe indoors. Can, maybe you could eat in one of those plastic pods things that seems to be the thing. Wonderful. <laughs> eat in a, in a balloon. Take myself to a nice lunch, get a massage, a facial, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And mind my business. I just like to mind my business in places that are not safe for COVID. And then take my black ass home. And I feel like I can't do those things now, yo. I'm the most chill birthday person. I just want to mind my business in germs distance of other people. And I can't. It sucks. Because we had a little sweet spot where stuff could happen. Yes, we did. And then now it's gone. We did. I was like, okay, well, maybe I could travel real quick. I don't know the people who I know who have been traveling. I don't know anybody who's gotten sick on a plane. I'll go. I'll be wild, precautious. And then when I get out wherever I'm at, I just be be mad cautious, right? Yeah, exactly. if I can't do things solo in New York, then I'm like, all right, cool. I'll just go somewhere where there's a beach. Exactly. I could be outside, be far away from people. And I, I can't even like do that right now. It's not in the cars for me. Numbers are going up places. And um, it's whack. It's whack right now. It's mad whack. So that's where I'm at. You're still going to have a great birthday, though. You're still going to have a great birthday. Okay. You have to uh, say that. You have to yes. believe that or it's not going to be. All right. I'll believe that. I'll affirm it. I think I put it <laughs> like, in my affirmations. But Okay, good. Because she's like, I got Yeah, I did. I put it in my affirmations <laughs> as an act of resistance and an act of like affirmation. But also mm-hmm. it's kind of like... Okay, you know, but yeah, yo. Well, I mean, I know everybody, a lot of people have like dealt with this. We've be- all been in fucking yeah. quarantino together mm-hmm. for, for months and months on end. But the expectation was not this. It was not. It was not this. It's about to be December. I, I at least thought that would be somewhere outside drinking alcohol and eating the food with fuck? you for yes. December birthday. The fuck, man? My friend was like, we can go to dinner. I was like, you go to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone this is upsetting anyway how you been i've been good 
I've been really good. Yeah. Good. I'm good. All right. Good. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Welcome to Tea with Queen and Jay. We are two womanist race nerds talking shit over tea, dismantling white supremacist patriarchal capitalism one episode at a time. I'm Queen. I'm Jay. And this is Tea with Queen and Jay. And if you would like to follow the conversation being had on this here podcast podcast you can do so by using our hashtag hashtag tea with qj we love when you use it on all of the social meds we also like when you use the hashtag pod in that allows other listeners to find tea with queen and jay that are on that hashtag you should be following us on social media how else would you use the hashtag we are on instagram and twitter at tea with qj is where you'll find us we are also on tumblr and facebook just search for us there and hit that follow button you can also send us t-mail at tea with queen and j at gmail.com we love when you send us questions comments concerns silly things serious things we love it so send it that's right every week we pour libations for the people places and things giving us black ass black joy those are our shout outs those are our pour one out for the homies those are our fucking cheers toast it up light it up whatever the fuck those are libations queen what are you pouring libations for this week i am pouring libations for the afros and audio festival two-day podcast festival we attended um it was virtual because of the rona but it was fucking dope i like to see things amazingly organized and it was i don't know i was just really impressed really happy to like be an attendee Mm -hmm. lots of information lots of great speakers diamond was on a panel z was on a panel um just to bring up some bbb folks but yeah, I really fucking enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really well done. I had a fucking blast. I really, we talked about this on the podcast before that I have not been excited to do virtual yeah, you, things. Mm-hmm. So I was glad that the energy in the space felt really good. The chat was nice and fun mm-hmm. and lit up and people were sharing information. It was just a really good experience, a really good like learning experience, community experience. And I was glad to be a part of it. So definitely libations to everybody who attended Afros and Audio Festival. If you did not attend, be sure to follow them on Instagram. I think it's Afros and Audio, but I'll put the I'll put the Instagram link in the show yeah. notes. They do a lot of IG lives. Yes. So definitely check them out. And again, libations to Afros and Audio. Yes. This is usually when we tell you how you can support Tea with Queen and Jay podcast, but we are still in a very clear fight for black liberation, the end of police brutality and liberation for all people. So in our show notes, we include an article link with a list of bailout funds, petition lists and other organizations from state to state doing work on the ground, organizers and whatnot. You can find out how you can get involved, how you can support protesters, how you can support activists and how you can get involved from where you stand. So definitely check that out we yes. also have a link with information on NSARS in Nigeria there's information there are ways in which you can support so definitely check those things out once you have done that mm-hmm. support Tea with Queen and Jay podcast we run on your support Queen how can people support Tea with Queen and Jay podcast so you can go to our website teawithqueenandjay.com slide down on our homepage, and there is where we have two options two our first option is our paypal option and that is where you can put however much you want however many times you want in that pot no commitment there and our second option is our patreon option and that is where we're asking for two dollars a month two dollars you can give more you can give less that is up to you but we are only asking for two just two fucking 
dollars we also appreciate non-monetary support and the ways you can do that is by liking this podcast sharing this podcast on social media telling a friend about this podcast rating and reviewing us on apple Podcasts and all other apps that you use to listen to this podcast on all of these things are ways that you can help Tea with Queen and Jay grow. That's right. If you would like to sponsor Tea with Queen and Jay podcast, if you'd like to advertise with us, if you'd like to hear your ad on Tea with Queen and Jay, email us at teawithqueenandjay at gmail.com. If you'd like to hire us to speak at your school or organization about podcasting, white supremacist, patriarchal capitalism, dismantling white supremacy in the workplace, womanism, black feminism, black hair, or some shit you've heard us discuss on the podcast. Or if you'd like us to do a virtual live show or consult you or your team, send us your email at teawithqueenandjay at gmail.com. We have some donation libations for this week we had a few people hit us up on the paypal thank you so much to sean kurt hit us on the paypal and says hi and thanks again kurt you're fucking welcome thank you so much we appreciate you salonica broke us off and says not much but we'll send more soon appreciate the care and respect you take with your topics stay encouraged thank you so much salonica no amount is too little we appreciate you thank you we also have some new patreon subscribers and for those who don't know we put bonus content on our patreon so i think right now we have four bonus episodes if you have not already listened to those be sure to check them out i posted one um yesterday so it won't be <laughs> did you yesterday yesterday what are days anymore it's all one big day to me but yeah there's a new episode i posted in the in the cloak of night over the weekend <laughs> of us talking our shit so definitely check out that episode and that is for our patreon subscribers it doesn't matter what level if you're only subscribed to donate a dollar a month that is fine everything you need is fucking there on patreon this week's new patrons include jasmine ida joan and jackie thank you so much the three j's and ida thank you we appreciate you all right yo let's get into the shits i'm excited about this episode we have a guest coming up, so super excited to have a friend to yes. come on with us and talk shit. But first, Queen, what kind of tea are you drinking? I am drinking green tea. Delish. Um, yeah, just some regular ass green tea. What kind of tea are you drinking? I am also back on my bullshit, drinking a little bit of green tea, trying to stay easy. I don't want to put too much caffeine in my system. We're recording in the evening again. I want to be able to go to sleep. I want you to go to done. sleep too. Because when Jay got caffeine, it be like, she be Harlem shaking. <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is true. And what are your pronouns? She, her. What are your pronouns, Jay? My pronouns are she, her, they, them. And separate from my pronouns, I am not a lady. Queen, what are you affirming for yourself this week? So I am affirming that I'm a bad bitch. I'm affirming that I am enough. I affirm that I will be self-employed and financially wealthy without trauma. No, I affirm that I am self-employed and financially wealthy without trauma. I also affirm that I am well-rested. My hair and fashions are popping. My body and mind are healthy. And that I will always and forever stunt on these hoes. I will say yes only to activities that are healthy for my mind, body, and emotional well-being. I will courageously protect my happiness because my happiness fucking matters. I affirm and continued safe. And healthy reopening of New York City. 
Safe and healthy. That's the affirmation. Um, I said reopening, though. We're going. We're closing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you got to reaffirm the reopening. Gotta refer, so I'm going to keep affirming that. Reaffirm um, the reopening. Yes. I also affirm that for all cities, states, towns, across the world. This is a world pandemic. Let's not forget that. I also affirm a fruitful an abundant 2020 for everyone who was listening to this show. Abundance for everyone. We all can have space of abundance. I will say that this has been an abundant year, even with all the shit that is going on. And I'm sure that there are spaces in your life that you can find abundance too. So I affirm that for everybody. I like that. I like those affirmations. What are you affirming for yourself, Jay? I affirm a long life full of abundance, health, wealth, sustainable, rewarding, and financially beneficial self-employment. Okay. I affirm that I am a writer. I am enough. My apartment is paid for. My rent is paid. I am productive. Opportunities are fruitful and bountiful without trauma. I affirm my apartment is clean and organized. I affirm productive therapy. Mm -hmm. I affirm healthy romantic relationships and trauma-free living. I affirm around-the-clock home health care services for my grandmother. And I affirm a bomb ass birthday for myself. And I affirm liberation and power to all the people, yo. Yeah, you affirm that fucking birthday. Okay. That's right. I affirm it. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. So that's what uh that's what I'm affirming. I'm gonna stay in the affirmation space of a bomb ass birthday, yo. Yeah. You're telling the world what it is. Not hoping facts. for it. You're saying what it the fuck it is. Motherfucking facts, yo. You're absolutely right. You're yeah. absolutely right. But let's take a break. When we come back, our homie Barry is going to join us. We want to have a conversation about the Netflix film, The 40-Year-Old Version. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk our shit about being fucking grown-ass women, what that shit is like, Single not having no kids. kids, being yeah. black, mm-hmm. and like seeing that shit on screen, yo. Yeah. So we'll be right back. We wanted to take a minute to highlight this week's sponsor, Good Neighbor. Good Neighbor is with you every step of the way to support your mental health and well-being needs. From online therapy and psychiatry to in-person community-based counseling service, Good Neighbor meets you and your family where you are to support your goals. Based in Virginia, Good Neighbor also provides supportive interventions in the home through their intensive in-home counseling service. This is a holistic and systematic approach with people in their homes and in their communities. If you or your family members are struggling with feelings of stress, anxiety, depression, or just cannot seem to be the person you know yourself to be, Good Neighbor can help. To learn more about Good Neighbor and how they can be there for you, visit them online at goodneighbor.care or call 855-355-7001. Again, to learn more about Good Neighbor and how they can be there for you, visit them online at goodneighbor.care or call 855 855- Five three five five seven zero zero one. Any more thought on what kind of play we want to write? Remember, if you put in nothing, it'll be nothing. Like your career? Remember this face? She was one of Spotlight Magazine's 30 under 30 playwrights to watch. We watched, but where'd she go? How are you? Good. Archie tells me you're teaching. 
How's somebody who ain't had no real hit gonna tell me how to write a play? She ain't no Tyler Perry. I did win a 30 under 30 award. Yes, it was quite a couple of years ago. What do I gotta do? Write a slave musical, an all white play? This some bullshit. It rang a little inauthentic. I asked myself, did a black person really write this? This some fucking bullshit, bullshit. Think about me doing hip hop. Doing what to it? I want to make a mixtape about the 40 year old woman's point of view. Why my skin so dry? Why am I yawning right now? Why them AARP niggas sending shit to my house? This is 40. Hey, Omar, what you need? <clears throat> Beats, tracks. For what? For me? Yo, here's a little story about a girl who's black. Let's add some asthma attacks from all the courtyard crack. Yo, no happy blacks in the plot lines, please. But a crane shot a big mama crying on her knees. Yo, yo, Rodimus Prime, 40-year-old version. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> this is about creating something that is mine. You're not just talking about shit. You making shit. Shit. I got you. You don't think I'm some crazy old girl for doing this? I mean, I ain't say all that. 40-year-old version. White man with a black woman's butt. How you carry all that back there? What the fuck? Yes, what the fuck? All right, what's up? Hey. What is up? Hey, hey, hey. What is going on, yo? Hey. <laughs> what's, what's up, though, like? So we're black, <laughs> we're, and there's yeah. a third voice. Our homegirl, Berry, is here. How what are up? you? I'm good. Thank I'm you for great. joining us. Yeah. Berry, what are your pronouns? I am she and her. Fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic. Thanks so. for joining us. So Barry is here because we wanted to have a conversation about the 40-year-old version. And I was like, we can't have this conversation without having a grown-ass woman in the building. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that we got that done right, <laughs> so we could have an actual conversation about mm-hmm. real Shit. So let's introduce the homie. So Lucretia Berry, a.k.a. Berry, is a singer, songwriter, actress, poet, educator and writer from Queens by way of Lexington, Kentucky. Her latest one woman show, Tubman, a reimagining of Harriet Tubman's life as a young girl in Harlem, debuted to packed audiences around the country. When Berry is not performing, she's teaching spoken word to middle and high school students in the Bronx, conducting educational workshops writing curriculum, and is currently writing her debut young adult novel, Seeing Janelle. Welcome, Barry. Welcome to the show. Thank y'all for having me. I love this show. It's so awesome. Yeah, You're so welcome, yo. Thank you so much for agreeing to join us. Yeah. Queen, can you tell us what the 40-year-old version is? So the 40-year-old version is a drama comedy film that is currently on Netflix, and it is about a woman named Rada who is down on her luck. She's a New York playwright who is desperate for a breakthrough before 40, reinventing herself as a rapper, Rodimus Prime, she vacillates mm-hmm. between the worlds of hip-hop and theater in order to find her true voice. Rada Blank is the director, who is also the star of the movie as well, which is, you know, pretty fucking dope. She wrote this as well, so I guess triple threat mm-hmm. and all of that shit. Damn. 
Yeah, and it's semi-autobiographical. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about it because it's so rare that we see grown adult black women portrayed on film who are not mothers, who are not um, married married or in service to some other character, some other yeah. younger character, some other male mm-hmm. character. And so I really enjoyed watching this film about a single black woman over 40. I enjoyed seeing somebody who was, yeah, just a black woman with no kids, grown, taking a bus, minding her business, living yeah. her life. Yeah, it's such a rare thing. So I definitely, I thought it was worth a discussion. Yeah, all of that. Yep. So... I want to start off with shit that we liked about this film. Just a heads up, we will be spoiling the film. We're not going through play by play, but we are definitely going to spoil spoil things that we saw interesting and things that we thought were worth discussion. So, Barry, as our guest, tell us what you liked. We're going to go through shit that we liked about the 40-year-old version. Okay, shit I liked. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head with many of the points Mm -hmm. that I was thinking about. A regular, degular, schmegular, teaching artist, traveling, dealing with the New York, like, busyness, all of the craziness that you go through. And also, mm-hmm. like, some of the things that you wish didn't happen, like, um, the woman that got on the bus, you are already late. Like, those yes. kind <laughs> of just very particular yeah. things that you go through New York City is, like, was spot on. Very authentic to the world that I live in on a regular basis. Um, That's what I loved about it. I loved that she wasn't trying to get an attention of anybody other than I'm just dealing with the identity of myself. And I think that I felt that so many times in New York. I mean, I've lived here for 17 years. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that is like what I've been through almost every year since I've lived in New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I came here when I was in my, you know, early 20s. So I think that was definitely like, I laughed at all of those moments. It was funny because <laughs> I have experienced it. I know what it feels like. I'm like, come on, I'm already running late. And if mm-hmm. you're like five minutes late, like, let's just say you're five minutes late, not even 10 or 20, but you're five minutes late mm-hmm. leaving your house. You could end up being 30 minutes late to work. Yes. Yes. If yes. you are fucking five minutes late, you could be at your job in three minutes or you could be there in 30 minutes. Listen, this yes. is my Harlem life. I literally, <laughs> if I leave at 710, I'm in Harlem by like, like eight o'clock. If mm-hmm. I leave at seven fifteen, it is eight forty-five. Like I live. <laughs> yup, yup. No, but it, that's how it is. So to yeah. me, experiencing the frustration of that alone was spot on. Right. Mm-hmm. That that that's one of the things I really love, and how mm-hmm. it wasn't like this fancy polished New York. This is yes. the New York I live in. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of black people in my travels in New York. And, you know, where I live is kind of like a mixture of everybody. But in Harlem and the Bronx is black and brown. So you're going to see the loudspeakers playing. You're going to see a lot of walkers, a lot of wheelchairs. You're going to see families. You're going to see all of those Mm -hmm. things. So I think my my working life experience is super black, super brown. And I think that's also important to see as well, because some people will have Mm -hmm. you. Certain shows will have you thinking that they know black people exist in New York at all, ever. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, even in a gentrified Brooklyn, Harlem, Queens, whatever, we out here, we out Mm -hmm. here, still Mm -hmm. out here making the city be what it is. Um, So I think that was that that was what I loved. I also loved her 
you know, just discovery of herself still at a later age in life, at a so-called mm-hmm. later age, that we're still discovering who we are at 39, 40, 41, and, and continuing. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of um, The Pieces I Am with Toni Morrison is mm-hmm. that, you know, she wrote her first novel at 40 and she didn't get her first Pulitzer Award. It was a Pulitzer Nobel. It was a Pulitzer, I think, at 63 mm-hmm. or something. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, having these kind of perspectives lets me know that we have time you know, we, we hope we have time mm-hmm. um, to to continue to tell our stories in ways that are genuine and not, you know, not perpetuating the stereotypes that we are deemed to always run into when we're on when we're creatives. You know, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. trope of the mother, the trope of having children, the trope mm-hmm. of white women wanting us to be their mothers. Like, I hate yeah. that idea. Yes. Like, just. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not your mama. You a grown woman. Handle your mm-hmm. own business. Right. Yes. So like, no. So, yeah, I think I think that self-discovery that she was dealing with, I aligned with that as well. Um, and I love mm-hmm. that. We can also talk about our mess, our maze. Our, uh, mm-hmm. We deal with her love life. Uh, okay, because we'll I there. had some issues with that, but okay, we'll okay. we'll shit you like, shit you liked, Barry, shit you liked. Stuff I like, shit I like. <laughs> I did love, I did love that, like her authentic self connected with another person that actually liked her for exactly that, and that right. she didn't have to yeah. like lose any weight or change her appearance mm-hmm. because he liked her as yeah. she was. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that was also a beautiful thing as well. And, um, yeah, I think those are the major ideas that I got from it that I really vibrated with and really liked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. And I I definitely, I agree with that, that there was nothing about her that needed to be different. And I feel like we've been told as women and when we were girls, just that there were so many different ways that we needed to be in order to be loved. Right. And, you know, we all living in, living in my body and seeing the bodies of Women who I know, women who I love, women that I'm close to, family, mm-hmm. friends, or whatever, we look all different kind of ways. Right. And people love us. They fuck us. They fuck yep. with us. That's right. They they are tender with mm-hmm. us. Like, and it's it's just so rare to see our lived experiences as people who love on screen. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. So I thought mm-hmm. I agree. Yes. I thought that was really seeing cool that too. range was beautiful. Queen, what did you like? Some of the things that I liked, just mirroring about like the New York experience. A lot of times when there are movies depicting New York, it's always like yellow taxis and like you don't see mm-hmm. a depiction of like different kinds of public transportation. It's just always like hopping a cab and it's like, no, New York is fucking expensive and people are not yep. just hopping in fucking cabs. Right. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, yellow cabs aren't really like a huge thing anymore because no. of Uber or whatever, whatever. Right. And they weren't stopping for people who weren't white anyway. So like, that's mm-hmm. not like a, a New York thing that resonates for people who are not white. Like right. that's not right. like the thing. Seriously. That's the, that's the white people thing. Seriously. So I did like see her on a bus. I did like, I liked when the bus driver, there's a scene on the, in a movie where folks, disabled folks are getting on the bus and in New York City when the um, people in wheelchairs or walkers or things like that get on the bus, you stop the bus and they do not let people on or off until they like open up the, I guess the electric ramp or whatever that allows them on. But Mm -hmm. you cannot get off as a passenger or on until that is done. And it takes time. So it was very real that she was frustrated because that is a real fucking thing. You know, it was ableist. But it's real. And a bus mm-hmm. driver calls her out on her ableism like, this woman right here. <laughs> that was hilarious. Is mad. 
Because and it's such a New York thing. <laughs> it's very that is how it goes down in specific. New York. It's very specific. That's how it, it's like, I don't want to fight you. I'm going to just tell her. I'm going to just embarrass you. I'm, I'm going to tell, tell everybody, everybody on this that bus you're a piece that of shit, you don't know how and to And that act. you don't, don't want to let the, you don't want to wait for them to get on a bus. It's just I'm so gonna, specific. Yeah. I love it. Yes. It's like so like, yes. this is what happens. <laughs> Yes. yes. And the stereotype about New Yorkers like being rude, I think, is that people who don't know New Yorkers like we have a lot of um, like that kind of courtesy for disabled folks. Yes, that kind of like we, we say yeah. good morning to each other. Like there are things that we do. I don't know how to describe it. There is a New York courtesy that we have. There is. We're just there is. not. um we're, we're, we're just we're di- quick. We're just yeah, di- we're direct. Like we just yes, like that's what we just it is. Want to get to the point right, of whatever right, the thing is. Yes, and I think yes. a lot of people take that in as like rudeness. yeah. So him saying something like like that, like none of us want to look like the asshole yes. who doesn't give a shit At about all. disabled people. Like yes. none of us want to look is, like that. That's that is so true. Yeah, so he knew that that wasn't necessarily what she was saying, but he's gonna embarrass her, yeah. and that's fucking like embarrassing, and that. That is how it goes down here, yo. So New York. That's yes. how it goes down. So I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way he called out in that way. Um, I guess this is mirroring what you guys were saying, but I like that the movie was not about her body and her image. And yes. It wasn't mm-hmm. about how she looked. It wasn't about how she presented. It wasn't about right. her journey and change had nothing to do with her physical appearance right when we're following her with this story it was no one like they wanted her to change the content of her work but it wasn't like you need to look like this your hair needs Mm -hmm. to be like this your body needs to look like this and that's usually the case when it comes to a lot of stories with women especially when we meet women at a at a point where they're not sure of what life is in that moment so we're Mm -hmm. we're in a discovery phase someone always wants to make you over yeah (laughs) or like fucking yeah. do shit like right. that or like get you like well you know if you want to be career ready then you got to do this or you want to be a rapper you gotta look you know like just and that stuff wasn't happening and i appreciated mm-hmm. that shit not happening because why does the discovery thing always have to be like a physical thing right for right mm-hmm. so i really really like that mm-hmm. other things that i like was like the the little bits of like comic relief where I would have definitely said some of the things she was saying. Like when one of the theater directors, um, they went to the altar and he was telling her what the ancestor said. And she's like, well, could we talk to my ancestor? That, I mean, like, that, that's cool. You... <laughs> oh, the amount of accuracy and the, in, mm-hmm. in, in that I've experienced at mm-hmm. least two theater places that really? are like that. And they oh, won't put on your work. Like they yeah, just, and it was interesting. They won't do it. It was also interesting mm-hmm. to see, and I like. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's no, okay. No, but no. I like to see that there are weird gatekeepers in blackness as well. Like yeah. we like to, mm-hmm. we kind of like to have that conversation to say the gatekeepers are always just a man. But no, that was like a gatekeeper. Oh. In a, like what the fuck are you doing? It was. It was Yo. weird. I can name um, like not three, the act four, of five. going to the altar, but just that whole process <laughs> of why he said no was just like mm-hmm. what. So I like that it was still a very black story yes. in terms of like not all about how all of these others, the man, the days, keep us out of shit because you know we do it too. But I, I like how it was like subtly in there wasn't you know like so those are the things that I liked about this movie. Mm-hmm. What did you like, Jay? 
Um, what did I like? I liked all the comedic moments. Yes. Like there were a lot that gave me like an actual belly laugh. So yes. I like that shit. <laughs> I love a cameo. I'm a sucker for cameos. I'm a basic <laughs> bitch. I fucking love it. Styles P from the Locks was the bus driver. Yes. I love, I love that. that. Yeah, I, I loved uh, Sadat X was the Muslim guy on the train yes. selling oils. I loved that yes, shit. Loved it. Um, I loved Young Ma was at the um, right. young theater May. in yes. Harlem. Young yeah. and May. Young and May. Thank you. Yeah. I always, always say Young that. Ma too. Like yep. Young and May. Auntie Grandma. Okay. Yeah. Young and May. Young mother. No, but when young I saw Young and May, I was like, what is she, what is she doing here? But I it loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. So, so Young and May was there the funny thing about this is that nobody thinks about young ma as having any feelings right so yeah. just because her persona in real yeah. life is just you know it's hard it's rough it's Badass. rough yep yes mm-hmm. yes yep. yes and yep. so to see her in this vulnerable like yes. training to be an actor position right. and right. then the content <laughs> if you were listening to the, th- the things that she was saying the uh-huh. content was supposed to be mad vulnerable it was fucking hilarious and i feel like if you are in New York and you are a creative or if you grew up here going to any of the black New York dance classes, mm-hmm. dance schools mm-hmm. or or yeah. any place where you learn how to play an instrument. There's always that dude, that dude who was the gatekeeper that Queen was talking about. Yes. There's always that theater director. Always. There's always that black personality who, you yep. know, talks to the ancestors, who is wild, dramatic for seemingly no reason right and that character in this film was so both spot on hilarious endearing but also the way um there is something to like make a little bit of a mockery of but it still felt respectful to me it still felt like this is hilarious but we all know and love a nigga like this yeah you know what i'm saying of any gender and i really appreciated those moments were hilarious to me Mm -hmm. um so Rada works as an instructor at a high school, it seems like, mm-hmm. and all of her students are flirting with her. Is at least it's at least two. Was it three students or was it just two? There was Rosa. It was and Rosa and Avery and, and uh, the the guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of her students is this nineteen-year-old male student who looks grown because he's yeah. nineteen. And the way that they address the dynamics of him flirting with her and her saying, listen, get out of here, like scram. (laughs) But also being like, oh, my God, get away from me, because it is like that's a real thing. You look at somebody who looks like a grown ass person. person. Yes, yes, yes. And there were these moments. um, There was like a fight in the classroom. And so there was a moment where she was vulnerable and he was like helping her up and stuff. So, you know, when you're like shaken or knocked about, like you're not like all there together in that moment. And you're going to take the comfort you're Comfort. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So seeing that moment. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That moment where you oh. see her like kind of leaning into the comfort and then being like, wait a minute, get out of here. It, it, scram, I thought that scram. was funny. I love that. Yes. That's yes. That ongoing word. thing was pretty funny to me because that's a real thing. And it doesn't get talked about because 
people keep having sex with their students. Yeah. And yeah. that is terrible. And that's like, Super there's terrible. never, there's no room for the conversation of, yes. you have to constantly tell these little motherfuckers that, hey, you're a little motherfucker. Get away from me, please. Like that's, that's the responsibility, right? Right. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah. So I like the way that they dealt do with that. Do you have to do that often at work? Um, working in middle school is different from high school. So, mm-hmm. but in high school, oh yeah. Oh <laughs> Oh, yes. Middle school, they treat you like you're your, they're your mom. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. They're still very much like the kids. Soon as they hit ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, they will eye you up and down. Those little motherfuckers will be misogynist. Uh, <laughs> they will. They are, you know, they thinking I'm 25, not that far mm-hmm. from them. Mm-hmm. Right. They like, you know, what's up, Barry? They come just to look at your butt. I mean, just all of these things have happened uh-huh. in high school. And mm-hmm. a lot of teachers confuse me to be high school kids. So I, mm-hmm. I get it. I look like them. And also, mm-hmm. you know, they're thinking I'm not far from their age. So they're going right. to shoot their shot. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a mm-hmm. regular teacher. I'm a teacher that visits the school yeah. once or yeah. twice a week. So, you know, mm-hmm. I have a and life. And the way, the way that we talk about age and the way that we're, the way that we're taught age right. is that people, that people look a certain way when they get old, that old right. or that yeah. 40 means this like That's distant, right. ancient, decrepit thing. Yep. Like when you're a kid, you know what I'm yeah. saying? 40 mm-hmm. is like this far off thing. That's right. Even 30 is this far off like Should people be thing. talking about like that 25? I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. Well, yeah, right, they do. right, they do right. Lot. And so, yeah, and so our understanding of like what an adult is or what people can look like at all different ages, we're taught very young for that to be like skewed and off, you know? Yeah. And to be honest with you too, my mom at 40 had an 18 year old, a 19 year old mm-hmm. and a 21 year old. So yes. in 1979, 78, 76, you are old if you're 21 having kids, right? Or 22 right, or 23, right, right. you're having mm-hmm. kids at 18. Mm-hmm. You know, so my mom was a full grown woman. That's true. At 40. And so mm-hmm. she looked, I mean, even though she looks young and vibrant, whatever, it's a different vibe when you're single without kids and not married at 40. Then having kids age you in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, not having them doesn't in so many ways, because yeah. I look, you know, we say black doesn't crack, but like I've seen my black friends with children and I'm just like, we different. We did. We did. <laughs> we, we, I love y'all, but we different. You're not cracked, but we different. Let me tell you. See, we different. No, no, no. You, make you carry yourself make. different as a mother. Uh-huh. How you dress, yeah. how you hold yourself, how you present mm-hmm. to the public. You it's different. You like you like because, you know, somebody might be watching what you're saying as a mother, as a wife, as a whatever. So you're going to censor yourself in ways that like you're not going to do. Mm-hmm. like as us you know what i'm saying yeah, or right. as mm-hmm. as older right. what millennials or whatever mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. no no I, mm-hmm. no, no i'm not censoring myself for you no but like i think as different. even a kid told me he was like you 38 like why are you going out and why are you hanging out <laughs> like why are you i was like boy if you don't get your little ass to social studies like i don't got time for this and also mind your business but also i'm not your mama right so <laughs> You know, there's also, mm-hmm. you know, they, they could be wild disrespectful in ways right. where it's like, right. I could I could choose to be offended if I wanted to, because what you're saying is true. But mind mm-hmm. your business, little boy, go over there, kick rocks, mm-hmm. go and kick rocks. You 16, shut the hell up. 
My mom was a oh, whole God. entire grandmother at 40. Yeah. I'm so, what yeah, I'm saying. My mother was a grandmother too. What mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, no, you're right. it's different. It's different. It is. I loved that she physically assaulted that white man after yes. all those microaggressions. Yes. That's that something so that good. like we do in our minds. Yes. It's something that in other films it might have been like I a, thought it like wasn't her mind for a second. Me too. Me yes. too. Yes. I, I like, love no, that it was like, it. no, I actually put my hands she on that man because <laughs> what the on. fuck, yo. Yeah. I loved it. I love that. I, I feel like so many times, I've, we've talked about this before. It's like even in film, in fiction, it's like black people can't be free. The freeing yeah. thing right. is yes. to actually portray one of us putting our hands exactly. on somebody who has like microaggressed against Violated. us. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's what right. I want to see. That's yes. what I want to see on screen. Yeah. So yep. I appreciate I the gift the gift of hands against that white that man that made me really happy. That was it so was. beautiful. I loved it. That was art. I loved it. That was art. Yes. Yeah. And you know, yeah. and also yeah. too, that's very specific white man too. Like, because we don't often talk about the intersection of even just gay and white as well, because I think mm-hmm. that's also, ooh, a violent, that's also like a violent mm. relationship as well. Because mm-hmm. in theater, in theater, uh, you have a lot of gay gatekeepers, right? You have a lot of okay. people that are gay and they're openly mm-hmm. gay about it, but then they're still white. So mm-hmm. we still have to deal with whiteness and they'll yeah. they'll act differently. So it's like, there's this whole dynamic too. And like what you have to do to even be in their good graces as well. You know what I mean? Because you they'll saying, align with you. They'll try to align with you yeah. and say, well, yeah, I'm just as oppressed as you are. So therefore mm-hmm. we brothers and sisters. And they'll call you sis. There's a familiarity that is automatically inserted inside of this relationship. Even though I don't know you, mm. we're not the same. You don't know my struggle. You don't know my life, but because they're gay or because they are, they don't identify with the mainstream. They're going mm-hmm. to choose to try to be uh, an ally, an unasked for ally. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's no, hard to you. describe without like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything like that to anybody. But the gatekeepers are still a gatekeeper, are still a gatekeeper, no matter if you're straight mm-hmm. or if you're not straight. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. yeah. And a gay white man is still a white man. So, yeah, you're still a white man, dynamics. regardless. Yeah. You're, still, you're still a white man. And so I think mm-hmm. every time, sis, you know, like they're always like a, doing a cis thing. And I'm just like, I don't know you like that. <laughs> and I know you're not straight. So you feel like you have the audacity to mm-hmm. do that or you have the permission yeah. to do that. So I thought that was really spot on as well right yeah right right. very spot on i loved that i feel like when women of color are allowed to be visible on screen over 40 right when they are allowed to be visible when they're allowed to be single and not have any kids on screen their image has to be one of some sort of career driven person who has sacrificed it all they have it all they're 40 Mm. they have it all but do they really have anything because they don't have love (laughs) oh my gosh they've got everything they've got the the fat crib they have it all they have it all except for either a man or except for a child or except for like great friends or some shit like that right yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah that's like the only way that you are allowed to be a single woman of color with no kids you have to be this kind of um uh for lack of a better term power hungry Mm-hmm. Type A, mm-hmm. wild driven, yep. just mm-hmm. trying to, you know, get super it all. Super secure, super confident. Person. Right. Yep. Right. 
your life has to be in service of capitalism right. in order for yeah. it to be like, okay, yes. it makes sense that you're this way because you were right. working so hard to get this right. thing. And that's understandable and justifiable. Right. But any other way, there's no other reason for a single, right, single black woman yeah. over 40 without kids to exist if it wasn't for your career. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was nice to see. And I also think, I mean, and I think that's absolutely correct. And I want to say this too, they will still make you a mammy without children mm. and without um, being married. They will still make you the mother. They will yeah. still do it to you. It just, it was refreshing to see for sure. But it's like, even in real life conversations, they will still make you, I think about, um, the celebrities that have like kind of blown up during the quarantine. I think about Tabitha Brown and mm-hmm. uh, I think she's amazing. I think she's great. But I also think too, like when you put a mom moniker on a black woman, she's safe. Right. Mm-hmm. When you put mother on top of a black woman, it's like, Oh, teach us more about the food and life and recipes and nothing mm-hmm. else. You can only be that to us because that's mm-hmm. how we see you and you're making us all better. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think often that is also put on black women as well. So even if you don't have physically physical children, there's no way you can be a sex symbol. There's no way people right. want to fuck you. Right. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. way that people won't want to even look at you sexually because I mean, Tabitha the fucks. We know that. But you see that I fine feel, ass husband, but we can't see her as a fucker. Like we can't. Yes, but we have I understand. To see her she can have that fine ass husband. We and know she fucks. Yes, we have to see her yeah. beautiful ass. I mean, she's just gorgeous in every <laughs> yeah, way, right. her hair, everything. Mm-hmm. But like, we want her to make the carrot bacon, and that's it. We want mm-hmm. her to sing to us. We want her to give us recipes. We want us to smile yeah. and be in that nice, soothing, warm voice. We do, and that's her mm-hmm. personality. But that is a safe black woman. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you see black women outside of this, uh, you know, ideology or this outside of capitalism, it's like, Mm -hmm. what is this I'm feeling? (laughs) I I can't can't define it. If I can't define Mm -hmm. it, it's not real. You know, Mm -hmm. so I think that's Mm -hmm. also part of it. I love that. So that's my list of shit that I liked. Should we move on to the meh? Eh. Yeah, Yeah, let's get into some Eh. meh. I didn't really have. (laughs) So usually we'll do shit that we like. We'll do shit that maybe we didn't love so much, which, of course, I've took directly from the black guy who tips because that's a perfect model for reviewing something Mm -hmm. so thank you rod and karen but (laughs) shit that we didn't like i don't really have a list of things i didn't like i think overall it was either stuff that i liked and it was stuff i was like no all right you know (laughs) yeah yeah someone's sorry Someone was screaming outside. Oh, I was like that. (laughs) But Barry, I know we were talking earlier and you were able to verbalize some of the things that you were like, meh. Yeah. So I think the Tabitha Brown segue is perfect only because seeing us in a light that's beyond of help or of service Mm -hmm. is is something that I've always kind of just try to break the mold of in general. Um, So there's that. But when it comes to her love life, actually, I really loved the the guy um, mm-hmm. who played her love, Oswin D. I think his name is Oswin Benjamin. Uh, he's a rapper. Yeah, or new whatever. actor. That this was his first role. Yeah, he's a rapper. He's a performer. Mm-hmm. He's a he's, he mm-hmm. raps right. So he has just like a whole following as well. And I'm sure mm-hmm. I know people that know him. And also Kimba. Shout out to Kimba. I know a couple of the rappers that were in there mm-hmm. um, as well. So uh-huh. Kimba, Kimba was in there in the cipher before she. Oh, okay. Uh, bombed on stage which was hilarious mm-hmm. i love that she, that's one thing i loved is that she bombed i loved it i just love that mm-hmm. you she messed up i, I love yeah. that like mm-hmm. she was allowed to mess up i loved it 
But I think her dynamic of her and D was a little uh, for me because I mean, I know she probably made these decisions because she was the writer or director, but I wanted it to be like steamy. I wanted it to be <laughs> juicy. I wanted it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see her body a little bit. Uh-huh. I wanted to have like, you know, I wanted to be the way I've experienced sex. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I wanted to yeah. be, I wanted it to be like that. And I felt like it was a little tight, a little, a little uh, buttoned up for me. Um, mm-hmm. Only because we are at our peak, you know, in these late thirties and forties, right? Yeah, I feel like you make a good point. It's, it's not as, you know, so why you wear that thing on your head? You know what I mean? It's just like, this. Is <laughs> come on, come on. You a young dude. You got to be like mm-hmm. five to seven years younger than her or even more. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're like in your early thirties. He was 26. Oh, yeah, okay. he was 26. Oh, I, I don't know. She, was that young? And she was uh, 39. So 26, 39. So 13 now years. Now that you're talking about their sex, I do feel like she should have threw him around the room a little bit more. Like, just... <laughs> Some seasoning, <laughs> some sasson, some... Yeah, like, should have taught him some lessons. Yeah, or I like... See, I can see you on that. Or just making it more, like, real. And I think maybe she... I don't know if there's, like, you know, she didn't want to necessarily focus on that. Mm-hmm. But I think as a mm-hmm. woman who was of a... You know, she's heavier, right? You know, we mm-hmm. not the average... We thick out here. We thick, okay? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think... I would love to see a thick-bodied, full-bodied, ample woman on screen showing herself and i think that's still the mm. one thing that had me go mm, i ain't like that mm. mm-hmm. right and you saying that as a performer i just want to remind everybody yes as a performer before. and before. i yes. think it's important mm-hmm. for you to be your total authentic self now if she's like that i know it's semi-autobiographical so not everything is going to be exactly the way that mm-hmm. she is and maybe she was aligning right. herself to the character and the character is a little bit awkward a little bit you know so mm-hmm. yeah there's also that right just her, even her dealing with d is like mm, okay uh all right great mm. And I feel like that was, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if I, now, now, me personally, I don't think I've been like, okay, mm-mm. mine is like, hey, what's up? What's going on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, specifically right. her character. Um, but there's like an assuredness that you have in certain aspects, but who knows? Everybody's different. Everybody's different. So for yeah. me, I wanted right. it hot and sexy and, right. and, and beautiful. Yeah. And I know yeah. that she is a, a thicker woman. And I just wanted that to see more of that, what you would see with thinner people on screen. So that's the that's the mm. uh, that I had. Mm. And also, I didn't like the black and white. I didn't love it. I didn't Girl. love the black and white. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, Queen been waiting for you to it. say that. Okay. And it, was like, and it was like, I know she was nodding to Spike Lee, but it's like, uh, you, you yeah. need to do it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like. Okay. I was meh. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't into the black and white, especially like, knowing that visually, she was doing so much with her outfits, with her whatever, and it was I, like I want listen. to see this. She looks fly, but I can't take it all in. She yeah, had the she green and the black. gold and the everything, and then she yeah, it, it kind of washes out her hair. lighter skin too. It's just like I want to see all the vibrant mm-hmm. colors that make Harlem Harlem. Bronx, Bronx, the Bronx. Uh, black people, black people. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to see the the colors in that that dingy uh, studio. I've been there with the yes. dusty ass mm. couches and it's super <laughs> hot and it's smoky everywhere. Like I yeah. wanted to feel that vibrant. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't necessarily mm-hmm. need it per se, but it just felt a little just flat. I felt a little flat. The imagery it made it flat, flat for me too. Yeah. It made it flat for me too. The story's still saying nicely. And I, mm-hmm. I, I resonated so much with this. Like so many people texted me and said, Barry, did they make this movie off of your life? And I was like, 
Yeah. You know, I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even think about that until after you said you would do this. And I was yeah, like, I was like this, this is, is it. This is, <laughs> I mean, literally, you, this is, this is my yeah. life. Yeah. It is my life to right. achieve. Right. So right. I, right. I just feel like, I just feel like, you know, there are some parts of it that you, you know, everybody's not going to be the same. But mm-hmm. I do think, like, I don't want to see no black and white. My my life, you know, it's... Mm, yeah. I wasn't into the black and white. I... It was artistic choice. The black choice. and white, yeah, yeah, it made me feel cozy, honestly. Okay. I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, so there's nothing going to happen here. Okay, cool. <laughs> let me get some tea. Let me let me Tasty. get some tea relaxed. Yeah. yeah, when I see, when yeah. I see black and white, it, it leads me to believe that the story is not going to be some fucking emotional roller coaster. It's not going to be a lot of disaster. We're here to spend some time together. And when it's over, we'll maybe we learn something. Maybe we didn't. I don't know. But that's, yeah, that's the vibe that I get from black and white. I guess because I'm a visual person, I'm not, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, wasn't looking so much at everything. There were a few times where I was like, okay, these shots are cool. This looks really cool. But I was, I guess, really listening and kind of paying attention to like, okay, what else is going on? Because there's no, this has, this area has been a little bit muted for me. This sense of sight has been a little muted. So like, what else is happening here in this story? And I did, as a child of the 90s or whatever, I did appreciate that, that artistic, like black and white choice. And there's still comedy and there's still like lightness and fun Mm kind of happening. You know what I'm saying? But but I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. I think that to me it, it translates to my brain as boring. Anytime yeah. I see films in black more and white, tired. like I'm more tired. Yeah, I appreciate still shots mm. in black and white, and I can take it in in that way. That's because I think I have more time to like be still and like look at the picture and take it in. But with film, it's a lot of movement going on. There's a lot of like to me, color adds more to the story in terms of like what I'm taking in, what I am bringing in. And when I see black and white, it just makes it all like flat right? and like two dimensional. Mm. And like, yeah, I, I don't, I generally do not like watching black and white films. Um, I think it makes more sense for documentaries. I don't know. I do not, I cannot do the black and white films. It just made, I'm going to take a nap. Yeah. And it was great. I was happy that there was like comedic mm. stuff in it. But otherwise, I probably would have fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think the plot was strong, and the yes. and the writing was mm-hmm. strong. It's just, I know Spike Lee was a big uh, influence on her. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, is it a mm-hmm. is it a nod I mean, or is it like a real choice? It, I think it, there was a little bit of that, but she she said that she wanted it to feel because it was about hip hop, because it was happening in present day. She said that she hadn't seen a lot of black and white films with hip hop themes. You know what I'm saying? So she okay. wanted to portray this in a, in a bit of a different light. She said a bunch of other stuff that I really am am not good at repeating mm-hmm. in a quality way. So I'll put the link to the podcast yeah. that I heard that on. I don't remember the name of the podcast, but okay. I'll, I'll put the link to that podcast in the show notes so that you can hear exactly why, why Rada Blank chose that. to put it in black and white. But it was for me, like when I, I, I did listen to that and it's like mm-hmm. hip hop is colorful as fuck. Like, Hip hop is a music where 
I can be in a dark room and hear it and I still see colors. So it was just but strange. You just said your that description is also like what you're saying right now could also be used as an argument for black and white. Yeah, but it, it didn't work for me. It didn't translate right. that way for me. Like right. it, it, it didn't do that because it was a movie. It wasn't mm-hmm. music. It was a movie. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems weird to kind of take the color out of something that to me is a tied to an art form that is to me very colorful. I don't know. It right. just it just it just ain't do it for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I, I didn't That's I didn't fair. love it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, I, I didn't hate it. I, I didn't hate you. it, but I didn't love it. But at yeah. first I was like, black and white. <laughs> he was like, how will I survive? How will I continue? I was like, oh, black and white. All right. Oh, this, okay. Go. This, Let's this, go. And then the story was good. So I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm in. Okay, yeah, but yeah, at yeah. first it was like, like what? Yeah, I, I kept thinking like color's going to start. Like the, the world's going to open. And then yeah. Like, color's oh my gonna gosh. Gonna Something's going to happen. It's going to turn on and be like, oh. <laughs> no, I liked it. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think it. those are my two major things. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm just glad that you brought up the black and white because Queen wasn't going to yeah, say it. Yeah, I've been going on <laughs> for the longest. She wasn't going to say it. She Many of me and my friends have had it. these conversations like, oh, I didn't love the black and white. Uh-huh. Didn't love it. Didn't love it. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Queen, did you have anything on your math list but, or did we cover it for you? Um, I know that was that, really uh, the a black big and deal white. Black and white. <laughs> okay. I do think that, and I don't know how to edit film or anything like that. I do feel mm-hmm. like something should have been like tighter or scenes should have been closer together i don't know if i'm making any sense but it's like sometimes things themes or scenes seem a little drawn out for me and i don't know if it's because my attention span is what it is because of the way we interact with media now but -hmm. sometimes i'm like oh we're still doing the scene okay Mm -hmm. but it could just be my attention span Mm -hmm. the practice the the theater practice was too long i think for me yeah yeah there were some scenes that were like a little too long Yeah, yeah yeah But that was one thing that was like, meh, for me. It wasn't a horrible thing. But it was just like, oh, we're still in this room. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Money. Do you, do you know what this year is? What every year is all about? Yeah, but like. Giving black women year. your money. Yes. Give okay. black women your money. Hashtag pay black women, okay, yo. Okay, okay. So, so how do they? give black women their money well they can start by giving us their money oh yes yes we do this dope ass women is race nerd podcast every motherfucking every week sometimes twice um, a week yeah yo (laughs) and we could use your loving motherfucking donations Um, we definitely can absolutely so how can you do that you can go to our website yo tvsqueenandj.com hit that donate tab Mm -hmm. and we have two options there two two you become a patron or you can just donate through PayPal. Yep. You choose. We mm-hmm. give you a choice That's right. on how you give us money. That's right. If you want to donate via Patreon, we're asking all of our listeners to break us off $2 a month. That's $24 a year. And if everybody who listens does that shit, we will have everything that we need to do everything we want to do for this podcast. Everything. And if you love us so much that you want to break us off a one-time donation, a multiple-time donation, or if you don't like the the once-a-month kind of system, you can go to our PayPal and give us any amount of money. We will take that shit. We will love that shit. We will appreciate that we shit. We will use that shit. That's right. So once again, teawithqueenandj.com. Hit the donate tab and choose your donation method of choice oh my god we're gonna get money again <laughs> all the time yes so then let's get into some other themes mm-hmm. okay. this is definitely highlights age i think is a big conversation in this even though it's not right for me it was a big conversation it really is mm-hmm. 
a story about where Rada is at at this period of life where she happens to be turning 40. So I don't yeah. think that the film harps on age. Yeah, agree. But I think as somebody in my late 30s, that really spoke to me because you never, you just never see that shit on film. Like it mm-hmm. just doesn't exist. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like after. You fucking turn 40. You don't have any kids. Go die somewhere. Okay. We don't want to hear from you. You're not married. You're not fucking. uh, What was that? Yeah. Your life is over. Nobody cares. Okay. So it was nice. I really did enjoy that. But I wanted to talk about in the film, Rada is a former 30 under 30 winner. Uh, Right. So every institution has a 30 under 30, Ooh, a 40 a under 40. We, we fucking mm-hmm. love a fucking alliteration. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We love an easy <laughs> editorial. Uh, all right. And it ends up being that. And list. I feel like, yeah, these awards, they focus Mm-mm. so much on when you did something great as opposed to the fact that you did this awesome thing or, or yeah. what you did. Right. And I think that for younger people, honestly, I think it sends a really toxic message to younger people about what life is supposed to be like what achievement looks like what we value and so a lot of people spend their 20s during this period when there's so many different things you could do and try and learn and be right Mm -hmm. worrying about not having achieved something or not moving fast enough or not already being settled into something and i think that it helps to feed a lot of anxiety and depression in younger people when like niggas could just be living their lives and right. shit. Yo, life is hard that enough. Is. I'm really, that yeah, is. I'm not a I'm really not a big fan of those age marker achievements, you know? I I those age marker I, I first of all I'm triggered by them. I'm I'm triggered mm. by the age markers because mm-hmm. I was told at 35 that if I don't do it now, I'm never, if I don't break out of being a full-time teacher, I'm never going to make it. Or it's mm. never going to happen for you because you're almost too old to even start anything. Like everything that I've done up until 35 wasn't successful. So now mm. anything after 35 now, because you decided not to be a full-time whatever, now mm. is when your artist life really starts. As opposed to it wasn't mm. happening before that. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. you, you, it's almost too late for you. Like life, no success can happen to you after 35, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing, whatever fucking successful means, it can't mm-hmm. happen after 35. Mm-hmm. You have to build up. And you know what? I wasn't even getting into my groove until like 37, 38, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and I turned 41 this year. So it's like... Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things like breakthroughs that I had in my late 30s that I did not have in my 20s when people thought I should have been famous or people thought, you know, like I was the fucking most likely to be a musical star in high school. Right. Mm -hmm. That was me. I won that fucking superlative. Right. In high school. And then people see you and, you know, taking good pictures, don't know that you had an eviction notice on your door because you're Mm -hmm. trying to pursue this artistic life. And I just think it's very like arbitrary. Like, what are we measuring these standards on? Yeah, exactly. And again, it goes right. back to capitalism, right? It goes yeah. back to what can what what can your machine pump out? What can your 35, 30, 25 year old machine pump out that we can deem successful for you? Yeah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm telling you, my shit did not like the, the the one woman shows I've done. That shit didn't happen until I was 36. 
36 years old. And Tubman happened Mm -hmm. two years later at 38. So it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of the things that we measure it, it just is not accurate and arbitrary, much like diet culture, much like body standards and all these different things. It's just like, where are you getting the standards from? I don't, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think somebody said it. I've been watching a whole lot of TikTok creators. It's like, it's crazy. I'm just caught up. But uh, the 40 hour work week or eight hour day Mm -hmm. that was made for when women stayed at home and men were at work. And so the production of America was much different than now. We're much more Mm -hmm. goal oriented and project oriented. So like that's how we should like treat age, too. It's like Mm -hmm. it's, you know, like like it's antiquated. So therefore, Mm -hmm. like just throw out all of those ideas because millennials and people that are coming after the millennials we're like we're not nobody's rushing to get married nobody's rushing to have children right mm-hmm. so from what i know you know from what i've seen mm-hmm. who knows yeah um but if i still live in kentucky maybe you have a different story it's, it's a different um right. yeah 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 mm-hmm. you know when, when you live in the south right mm-hmm. so and and I, I feel like i wouldn't have been able to accept it at 25 so now mm-hmm. i'm able to like handle it and I always make a joke saying that ain't nobody, listen, ain't no paparazzi going. One thing that you know at, at, at 39, 40, 41, no paparazzi is going to be knocking at your door because they don't mm-hmm. give a fuck about a 41 year old actress. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be good. I wish, I wish y'all could see Barry smile when she says that. Yeah. Like, it, no, think about it. Ain't nobody chasing after Viola Davis like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah. we're still chasing after Beyonce because she got famous at 17 or 16, mm-hmm. right? So, and yeah. she's blown up, right? So she's always going to have paparazzi forever because they blow up so quickly that now there's no plan for them to like successfully live without paparazzi. But Viola Davis, mm-hmm. she's been in the business I mean, for almost 20 something years. I don't know if we can compare the two of them. She is Beyonce. <laughs> it's kind of a different thing. But I what get I'm, it. But I what get I, it. But, you know, but what I'm saying is, is that... Okay. What I'm saying is, it is Beyonce. Yes. But what I'm saying is, like, she blew up at a young age. So she's, right. she works hard to, to, to be grown. I am grown now. You're going, I'm a grown. She has a song called I'm a Grown Woman, right? Mm-hmm. But Viola yeah. Davis, there ain't nobody chasing after her. We know she's grown. You know what I mean? Like, it's. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave her alone. She's grown. She's she, she 52. We, we, yeah. we, she good. She good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she good. Facts. So that's what that, that's facts, what I mean by facts. that. You know. Cool. The, my thing with a lot of those lists are they are like the thirty for thirty one. That's thirty under thirty. That's a Forbes list or some shit. Like yeah. Right? Well, they do yeah. them everywhere, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, Forbes is a big one. Like you've mentioned, they're just so tied to capitalism and like what the person can produce. So mm-hmm. like it's not even it's not even actually about the person. It's like look what this person produced in this amount of time. So that yes. means they are successful. And that's the piece that I'm just like, uh, you know, like yes, it's it's very shaming. Like imagine being 30 and you see all of these great things that these people have done under 30 and it's like, shit, well what the fuck did I do? You know, like, what am I what doing my life? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, oh, uh, so I I I hate those lists and I hate that we even have to talk about age and connection to a person's success. So right. even when it comes to like, like I love when people mention Toni Morrison and she didn't write her first book to 40 da, 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 to prove a mm-hmm. point. And I get that point and it's a necessary point, but it's like, she wrote the book when she wanted to write the book. Right. Period. <laughs> she produced mm-hmm. the book when she wanted to produce the book. Like, you and know, she like was doing wasn't... great work before that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't like that. It's like, has to be, a t- well, at 40, you can still do, at 40, you could still or choose not to do lots of things because that's right. just how life mm-hmm. works. You right, know? right. 
those lists are, are whack as hell. Mm-hmm. In the film, it's like she is constantly living in the shadow of that. Mm-hmm. Like I achieved this dope thing by this age, and then what have I done since then? So like, who knows exactly when she got the thirty under thirty? Right? It could have been any time in her twenties, right? But we know that between the ages of thirty and thirty nine, she felt like she hadn't done enough. You know what I'm yes. saying? And so. Yeah. There are people living like that. There are people yeah. living like that, yo. Can you imagine being in the fucking, you know, prime of your life could be any fucking age, right? At any so point, yeah. any, At any point. Can you imagine being in the fucking prime of your life and thinking that you haven't done enough because you haven't surpassed what they thought you would surpass after winning a 30 under 30? Right. You know and what it I mean? goes back so, to just the work mule. You know, it goes back to us, you know, th- you know, black women as mules. You know what I mean? Like, it, I always think about that. It's like, mm-hmm. every time somebody talks to me, they go, so what's next? I'm like, nigga, my pay is not even two years old nigga. yet. Like, right. Yeah, like, what? I'm right. going to get something to eat. That's what's next. Like, <laughs> my show is still a toddler. It's not even grown. Yes. Right. And, and you want me to work on something. That was a lot of work to do that thing. <laughs> okay. And you want me to make another one? Like, can I just hang out with this for a little bit before another one comes? Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. the first thing people say. So what's next? I'm like, sleep? Like, mm-hmm. I eat, sleep, <laughs> walk my dog. I don't know what the fuck. Like, what? Like, so right. I think that's, right. that is so frustrating as an artist. And mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. you know, she had a parent die too. So it's like, there's a lot happening. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's an experience that I have been blessed at this stage not to have yet. But if, as I grow older into adulthood it did make me think that like i've been blessed to have a certain amount of support from the adults in my life from my parents Mm -hmm. from you know that older support system Mm -hmm. and really think about okay like because i'm not someone who um has had to prepare for kids and prepare them for for anything really yeah. right i just mm-hmm. i'm just worried about me which is a lot and worried about the family that i can afford to worry about my sister and you know nieces and nephews and whatnot i have not and as a creative i have not thought about uh taking care of my parents in the ways in which i think people before me have in the or have had to or in the ways in which like i should like mm-hmm. it's and also my parents are younger than a lot of people my age um you know, my parents are usually the younger parents. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that even my peers have had to think about, I haven't had to think about yet. So it just yeah. got me thinking that like, it's important that I be thinking about these transitions and these things that can happen in life because I've kind of been taking for granted that, you know, my parents are just alive and they're just going to be alive until I die. We're all going to die together. And then we're going <laughs> to hop in. We're going to hop in the urn or whatever all together. And All everyone together. dies when I die. All together. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I lost my dad at, uh, I was 31, 30, uh, going on 31. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm about 10 years ago. And that stopped a lot of producing for me. Mm-hmm. It kind of just stopped. Uh, nothing was happening, right? Because I had to like kind of reconcile that even if I, if it, let's say I was going to have these big moments in life, whether I was going to have kids or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. Because, you know, at 30 and 25 and 27, I thought I was going to have kids. So yeah. we were just talking about that the other day. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought mm-hmm. like when I, I thought first so. um, when I first became a teacher, I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to be able to have my own little Malik, my own little mm-hmm. uh, Rash- <laughs> Rashana, my own right. Tariq. I can't wait, <laughs> you know. And uh, 
as I started to like, you know, break away from belief systems that are kind of like in that, you know, that paradigm where you like, mm-hmm. in order for you to be valuable as a, uh, a woman of God, you must mm-hmm. produce and sex can only be for reproduction. Right. That was like what I was taught my, like, you know, for most of my life. Mm-hmm. Then when my father passed away, it was like, well, shoot, what do I really think? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I really, it made me question everything. Cause like a part of my like DNA is like, like physically out of this world. Right. Not here. Yeah. So I'm like, so what do I really think? How do I really feel about this? Do yeah. I really want to have kids or is it something that I've been trained to believe, to think that I should. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of those life questions happened after he died because he died at 54. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was pretty like, you know, still pretty young, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though we knew he was going to die, it still hit me hard. Like it, yeah. it, it, I didn't, I didn't, I had a block for like two and a half, three years. And then mm-hmm. I decided I needed to leave my job because what happened at my job is again, it goes back to the work mule is that. Um, my father passed away and there was no acknowledgement. There was no, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, nothing publicly from the job, nothing. It was just like Barry's back. Now she can control her kids, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. feeling that feeling like I was worthless. Like I'm going through this very vulnerable time. I'm about to have a breakdown. I'm crying at my job and I still mm-hmm. have to teach these kids because nobody understands what it's like to lose a parent and you keep producing and producing and producing and you're in this autonomy mode and you really don't have time to grieve. So then yeah, when you finally right. do grieve, it's like you're stuck in this melancholy for three, four years. And then that, you know, brown or bluegrass comes out of that. You know, one woman show comes out of my father dying. Mm-hmm. Like what? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, it's a lot. Yeah. And yeah. you never know what people are going through. So probably between the ages of 30 and 39 for her, whenever her mother passed away. Like mm-hmm. she's still trying to process it all. Yeah. yeah. Which which she is, cause in the film, I think it was like a year since the mom passed and she hadn't mm-hmm. even gone to the apartment yet to figure yeah. out what they're gonna her and her brother, what they're gonna do. And so like the world does stop. Like it was it showed in the film that for her a lot of things just stopped. Like she didn't really address mm-hmm. it a whole lot in the film yeah. about like shit just stopped. And it could be because it was only been a year. Who knows yeah. what it looks like after? But it I shit, mean stopped you don't want to touch their stuff you know you want to keep everything there i had to pack my dad's Mm -hmm. suits pack all of his things clean out the house and the scary thing about the whole thing it it was hard cleaning out his stuff in the house Mm -hmm. and what happened was people that we knew that were in our you know church family moved into the house so my parents moved out of that house and my mom lives in new york now and Uh they moved in Mm -hmm. it's like that's this is weird that you, mm. this is weird. Why are you living where my right. dad and my mom used to live? Yeah. It, it, this Without is weird. Process. So right. then when I had to go back and like visit my mom, cause she hadn't moved here yet. I had like anxiety attack just coming to the house. Right. Yeah. Because like, right. this is my house. Mm. I lived here. <laughs> yeah. And now you, who claiming to be family, lives here? You, you took mm-hmm. over the house? I don't, this is weird. Yeah, so that a there's a lot of also you know, spirituality stuff that was happening as well. Cause I was breaking mm-hmm. away from those belief systems. And so that yeah. was also hard as right. well. You bring up an interesting point though, talking about it was important to your dad that you be a certain kind of woman, just from what you're talking about in terms of like, do you believe that you need to have kids or get married or things like that? Right. And I wonder like me and queen don't have kids. I always say to other women like me, to younger women, I always say like, nobody taught us to be the kind of women that we are. 
You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I wasn't taught to grow up and be single, not have a child, not have Ooh. a partner right now. I wasn't yeah. taught how to navigate life this way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. nobody taught us how to do this. And I think a lot mm. of us are really hard on ourselves about the decisions that we make because there has been, Ooh. for a lot of us personally, no model for this. Some yeah. of us, if we're lucky, have an aunt or somebody who we watch do her own thing and live her best life or whatever, right? If mm-hmm. we're lucky. My aunt, uh, well, she had kids and stuff. It was different or whatever. But my one of my aunts passed away. Um, and then my other aunt has, you know, her own family, children, and all that stuff or whatever. So I have also noticed, as I'm somebody who nobody taught me how to navigate life, right? Yeah. It, it, as this and kind of way. person. Yeah. That my family also, as I get older, treats me different. You know what I'm saying? Like my mom is never my family, thankfully. And also my sister has children. So my parents have grandchildren already. Like they're good on that. No one has ever pressed me about having a partner or having children. And I'm very thankful for that. But I have also found that the older I get as a straight woman who is not partnered at the holidays who is who is not bringing children with her or whatever i have found that i am treated different i'm cool with it i show up ready to have the same great time that i have been having since i was a kid at the holidays but i have found that i am increasingly met with a kind of like dismissal a kind of like um there's like there's judgment there but it's not overt enough for anyone to like if i brought it up because it caught me off guard honestly and so even bringing it up to people was like wait what i didn't even realize what was happening until i was like kind of Mm -hmm. repeating the stories to friends and shit like that and really being able to piece it Mm -hmm. together it's because my value our value as women to a lot of depending on who your parents are or how your family how patriarchal your family is our value is tied to whatever man we're closest to and so when i show up to the holidays as just janicia my opinion doesn't matter as much because there's no man there to protect me or whose opinion should be respected i also have not brought children with me to delight and fucking bring smiles to whatever motherfucker feels like they need it or whatever and i am treated in this very dismissive way and it's not because Mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm there i'm talking you know what i'm saying but like (laughs) nobody gives a shit and even to defer to like a child like my oldest nephew is 21 or 22 right Mm -hmm. now and his needs at any holiday have surpassed mine until i have brought it up brought it brought it to the attention of the it sounds more outrageous than the the experience of it it's like people don't see it happening if i was silent about it no one would see it no one would say anything about it but because i Mm -hmm. say something and i say something anytime it happens so that people can connect the dots Right. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, did you notice? Da, 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 da. Or I'll I will challenge something and people be like, well, calm down. I'll be like, no, let me tell you exactly how this happened or exactly how this was communicated to me or what. Let me tell you what, what I've been experiencing. Right. And yeah. people have noticed it later on in the years that I had to do a lot of labor in explaining, hey, you're treating me in this really patriarchal way because you value everyone else's existence around me because I am an older, straight, single black woman with no children, right? So there's no man, no children here. I'm just here to kick it and have a good time. 
and mm-hmm. I'm being treated a certain way because of it. And I say I say straight because I, if I were queer, I think that would present its own challenges, of course. Mm-hmm. But if I were queer, my family then would at least, at least be able to put me in a box. Of, yes, then it's justified. Like, then you oh, have a reason and a you point. have a right such to a be this way. Otherwise, it's just... We don't have to pay you any mind. You showed up here. You didn't cook. I'm like, well, you didn't ask me to cook. And I did Mm -hmm. not bring a family of five with me. So please enjoy this expensive dessert that I purchased. But it's like (laughs) this kind of feeling of how dare you be this free? You know what I'm saying? And what is the reason for it? Explain yourself. Oh, I mean, if you took the words out of my exact mouth, like Mm -hmm. this is such a real first of all this conversation is beautiful and it's so this that's real that Mm -hmm. is I can't even think of a better word because Mm -hmm. the amount of disrespect and mine is much more overt okay Mm -hmm. the amount of disrespect because I was in a church family for a long time right Mm -hmm. I left like almost Mm -hmm. three years ago but congratulations, congratulations, praise, praise, praise yes. uh, the divine I see you, above you us. Seen, yes, <laughs> we, we, yes. we growing, we out here, we developing mm-hmm. our own ideologies now. That's right. And belief That's systems. Right. Okay. But when you are attached to these religious belief systems, the, it is overtly patriarchal to a point mm-hmm. where it's like, there is absolutely everything wrong with you. And what I've noticed is I love to cook, right? So what they'll do is they'll associate my cooking with getting a future man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, ooh, you can cook like this? Where your man at, right? right. Or mm. they're always trying to hook you up with someone all mm-hmm. the time. It's exhausting. And they also hook you up with people that are old like you, but not the same as you, right? So like, <laughs> <laughs> so like, why would you... Put me with oh, old, crusty, musty, dusty, and Yay. I am flourishing out here. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm popping. I'm popping. Yes. Okay. Facts. I look like a good 28. This nigga right. look. I mean, like just alone with skincare alone. Mm-hmm. What made you think that we were going to align? Okay. Skincare alone. Yeah. He don't even yes. use fucking toner, man. Like, right. like you not you don't you use soap and hands for your face. I, I can't even. We not the same. Bar we're soap, nigga. Okay? We not we not the same. Okay, you don't not even the clean same, your fingernails. But you know what? But it's this feeling that it's this feeling, and of course, this depends on how patriarchal your setup is, right? I think I've already mm-hmm. set the tone to like keep keep all. I don't give a fuck how much toner he uses. Just keep him away from me. I don't care. Leave me alone, right? <laughs> but I think that there's this feeling that like a single woman of any variety right is on the same level as any crusty butt dude of any kind because you should just be thankful just be thankful that somebody likes you you at at your big age you know what i'm saying yes so it's it's, it's offensive i mean i've been offended i've had Mm -hmm. people i'm telling you when i say church i'm so happy that i'm gone because i had people like like it's almost like a pseudo stalking because Barry is a tough cookie that needs to be like softened. So I'm a challenge. And I'm just like, no, no, no. You would only be a challenge if I liked you. Right. Or (laughs) there's no hope here. I don't understand. And then my grandmother consistently, consistently says, well, you don't have kids. You have 25 great grandchildren and great grandchildren. How many more do you need? Do you see them all anyway? Like, why do I need to contribute (laughs) 
to the does the, she even know all of them like like does she really even know all of, that's like, a lot. like literally like my my brothers have nine kids between the two of them my mom has enough grandchildren for everybody okay i have a dog you it's, that's gonna be your grand dog because <laughs> there are nine kids that won't even know all of them just in my immediate family alone so yeah. do you know all of them grandma mind your business <laughs> mind your business grandma mind your business did nobody say nothing to you okay so mind your business and that's what i have to like i have to stand up to her because i'm the one that me and my mother my mom takes care of her mom is kind of like her caregiver and so i'm over there for moral support but granny J always want to bring me up right so my grandmother always mm-hmm. want to bring me up so this perpetuated internalized misogyny Right. And then also right. patriarchy. Whenever I go somewhere else, it's like, where your man at? Where your kids at? Who you with? Mm-hmm. What you doing? I should hook you up with this. And now, no, no, no. We good mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. We good. Yeah. Right. So that is so spot on. And I just feel like it's just tired at this point. And like yeah. I even said to my mom, I was like, I don't want to write stories where I'm trying to find a dude or mm-hmm. that there's 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 a center around you know, uh, a love interest. I want to figure out self-discovery and science fiction and and magic and fantasy. So to me, I feel like that's more interesting than just like, I'm going to get married and that's it. You make me think about and hear how she kind of just fell into this little like relationship or sexual relationship or whatever. She just fell into it. It wasn't Right. Anything that ha- was essential to the storyline that had to happen. Right. That was, she wasn't like, that wasn't her goal. It just, you know, she just stamped, stumbled upon some young dick. I do like that it was just like, oh, just a part of her story, but not the story. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that. Yeah, which is important. And and I, yeah, and yeah. I think I think younger dudes have this less of a attachment to, especially younger dudes in the new age, they have less of attachment to the archetype or the the family uh less of it i'm not saying that they don't have it Mm -hmm. but it's a lot less um especially if they're going to be 26 and and she's 39 or whatever but um Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot less and i have more progressive conversations with younger guys in general so i think that's also very accurate to what it's like to be a 40 year old woman who we all like we all look let's say you're in your mid to late 30s we all look pretty fresh and popping right so it's Mm -hmm. like yes you attract older guys but the young ones are the ones that are looking to like maybe have conversations that are not aligned mm. with patriarchy. Crusty and ashy. Crusty and dusty yes. and don't yes. even don't talk to me if you don't brush your tongue. Like I don't understand. Yes. Don't Do you talk drink to water me. at all? Like you don't even look like you drink water. <laughs> are you moisturized? Like you look dry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so like yep. the fact that mm-hmm. there are men who are my age, 41. We did we same age, who mm-hmm. says that like washing their face is gay. Like I don't under I don't mm. Mm. So, yeah, like like just Mm-mm. just washing their face and mm-hmm. having a routine is gay. But then I can talk to a young dude and be like, "Yo, I'm stepping my skincare game up." And I'm like, "That mm-hmm. that is a that yeah. right there. That's what I need." Mm-hmm. These are the small patriarchy steps. Patriarchy is strong with the older ones, man. Yeah, it's, it's so really strong. It's, it's so all they strong. got. That's why, because it's all they got. Because mm-hmm. once you like, it's like, all they got. like how once you they remove be, it, yeah, like who are they? Who are you without who it? They have. So yeah. all of that resonated so much in that movie for me. I just, I feel mm-hmm. like she hit on so many things that we all have been through and experienced. And that's why I think more so than anything, the reason why I loved it is because of I've been through those things and nobody mm-hmm. on film has been able to articulate my life in that specific way. 
So in the film, Rada is um, kind of unwillingly, but feels this pressure to, well, also she has bills. So there's that pressure. Yeah. Yes. But this pressure to have one of her plays be on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Right. Is, it, is it Broadway or is it just like a large off-Broadway play? I couldn't no, tell. I, I definitely think it's Broadway. Yeah. Okay. So she is working with this white producer and her manager, who was one of her friends from high school, mm-hmm. actually gets her at this at this kind of party, this cocktail party situation. The room is, I'm going to go ahead and call it toxically white. Mm-hmm. It's hostile. And it's not because they are necessarily doing anything, but I really do feel like any space in New York that is that white is fucking hostile. Like, there's a reason for it. There's classism at play. Mm-hmm. There's racism yeah. at play. And she was kind of there to sell herself, sell her play, jazz hands it up, coon it up a little bit Mm -hmm. in order to get one of these producers to fuck with her in this way. I thought that that was very real. I have not experienced that in my adult life, but I feel like that's a very common experience. I had that experience as a student in high school. So I'm a posse scholar for anybody who doesn't know and for people who know what that shit is. Mm -hmm. But it's this scholarship that you get. They send you to college in groups of, you know, seven or eight kids or Mm -hmm. however many kids it is now, whatever. But before that, you have trainings. And as an earlier posse scholar, they wanted, I don't know if they still engage in this kind of fuckery, but it was always some opportunity to be hanging out in front of fucking older white folks, right? Mm-hmm. So like, or with. So there was this one night where we were all partnered up with a, a rich white person and we were of, of importance, mm-hmm. probably a donor uh, mm-hmm. of some sort and go with them to a Broadway play, have dinner, whatever, right? That is so when creepy. I, Why would you be Is that out not the creepiest shit? Fucking is that not the creepiest person. shit you ever heard in your whole entire yeah. life? That okay? Creep and me out. people who know me personally <laughs> know that I'm awkward, okay? Fucking 17-year-old Janicia from Truman High School where we were all black and more specifically black and some variety of Jamaican going to fucking dinner with a fucking white person with money when I only time I see white people are at school and now I have to sit and have a conversation Ugh. with Station you and with you're the, giving me yeah, that nothing. That creepy. Yikes. I was there with, with some white woman who didn't have nothing to say and I knew... As a young person, especially if you are tracked in these kinds of like, you're definitely going to college. There's a scholarship for Mm -hmm, you. There's mm -hmm, money out mm -hmm. there. Get it. You're bright. You're smart. Whatever, Mm -hmm, right? So if you're tracked like that, you know you're fucking there to perform, right? Yeah. So I'm like, this white lady not even talking to me. I feel obligated to talk to her. Niggas at this fucking scholarship shit gonna ask me how this shit fucking went. Mm -hmm. It It was one of the most uncomfortable evenings of my life. I'm sure the woman was lovely. I'm sure it was nice. But those kinds of dynamics where us as black folks or marginalized people have to fucking perform for our lunch Mm -hmm. it's inappropriate and audition just for your livelihood basically right right. i I already had the scholarship but a part of this is like it's you're expected to do this dance yeah and at 17 i didn't have the language was i 16 I don't know. At 16, 17, because yeah. I have a late birthday, I didn't have the language to say, this is wild racist. This is uncomfortable. Right. This is othering. Mm-hmm. This is exploitative. Right. Um, but, like, I just don't understand in what world, what planet do we mm-hmm. have a kid hanging out 
with a grown ass person and it's like this makes sense <laughs> like a grown well, ass person you're not related a grown ass person you're not all... related to mm-hmm. like i get i get the because premise it was of a that group I, no, right. no, I get the premise of that. I'm, a, I'm, a, I am, mm-hmm. I'm aware of posse. I'm just right. thinking, why on earth would we have kids hanging out with these? Like, like no, not just kids, kid, urban kids. No, I'm yeah. but, those but are not kids, people. Like, those are not people. Need, yeah, like why, why, why would they need to be hanging those out with are these not, adults? Listen, like, that's not even how life people. works. Usually, kids don't hang out with adults unless they're related to them, mm-hmm. or you know, like kids. Sh- sh- Shouldn't be casually, leisurely no, hanging no, out with adults. No, no. That's and I, and strange. It's, and it's, and it's almost like nightmare. it's almost like employment grooming, right? It's like this grooming yeah. of like yeah. it's like I'm grooming That's you. Probably what that was. I'm grooming it you was. to be a robot. I'm grooming you to be um, yep. uh, something that manufactures things in this mm-hmm. world. And so, therefore, you know, even though you're uncomfortable, this is how your work life is going to be. So I got to prepare you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's still sick. You know, it's yeah. still nightmare. But that's what those yeah. kinds of whenever I I'm see sorry, shit Jay. like that. Yeah, thank you. That's that's not my only experience like that. But I yes, re- hopefully they don't do shit like that anymore. I think there's I a think, lot of language yeah, back sure in the do. day that we didn't. Uh, you're right. But there's there's a lot of language <laughs> that no one had. You yeah. know what I'm saying back then, or that people weren't talking about yeah, in yeah. those spaces. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they. If it still goes these, on, I'm sure there's kids, less of that. These kids now are, are because of the access that they have that we didn't have. They're a different breed. At mm-hmm. 16 and 17. Right. They be telling people about themselves in ways that mm-hmm. we didn't have the capacity because we didn't have the access to right, right, information. Right. Yeah, in we were ways. we were and we were trained we were trained in a certain um I think a lot of us were trained to hold a certain amount of silence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like to right. be silent, especially in these spaces around white people. I where, was going to say that. Yeah, it was oh, so toxic. Yeah, so I was going to say but that. But that's what that space reminded me of. And I'm thankful that at this stage in my life, the bags that I'm trying to secure don't require me to be in yeah. rooms right. with white people in that way. Even though I know people who if they were in my same position would seek those rooms out and would do shit like that. But there's just that that's not a discomfort that I want to ever have to feel in my life ever again. Yeah. I think that's really important because that's, uh, hmm. it's a longer road to success when you don't align with whiteness. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, because that's the reason why many of us are older and not broken through yet. Because mm-hmm. we don't align with, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. with you I'm know. just saying "quote unquote" out loud because you're doing the quotations, but yeah, <laughs> but it's quote audio. Unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's important. But she is performer. doing the quote. She is such doing the quote unquote. Like, I'm totally, so I'm know. totally in my vlogger mm-hmm. space. Like, hello. Uh-huh. Yeah, do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think being a teacher, I have to be interviewed by white people. Okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and teaching artists and I have to be interviewed and I have to have them sit there and look at my resume and say, well, you only were a full time teacher for nine years. So we only can pay you this amount for this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. I deserve more than that from from what I'm about to do to your classrooms. Watch how your kids will change. But they don't believe Mm -hmm. that. They don't believe that. They look at you as a product of, you know, that's a product. And then also dealing with in the theater spaces, it's like, I don't want to align myself with whiteness and I don't want to go to Broadway. So since I don't want to go to Broadway, it's going to be harder for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So there was this whole thing with uh, the theater community called Dear White Producers or whatever. And Mm -hmm. uh, we see you. Um, 
whatever it's called. It's called We See You. But I'm not mm-hmm. even in that conversation because you have to be adjacent to whiteness in the theater world to even complain about whiteness. Ooh, shaking the table. She's shaking the table, y'all. <laughs> and I think uh-huh. I'm not even in that conversation because... Right. And if there's nothing wrong with it, but like going to Broadway means there's a part of you that's not going to go with it. Mm. There's going to be a part of you when you go on Broadway, it's going to be like, well, it's missing a whole chunk of that soul that we had when it was grassroots. Mm -hmm. And one of my, one of my friends said to me, and I don't have no problem with it. I'm going to take your money. But what I'm saying is, is that like one of my friends told me, she said, it is a lonely, long road when you pursuing things in your own terms and in your own way. It's not going to be immediate, right? You're not going to, you know, it's, it's going to be, that's why you have somebody, again, going back to Tabitha Brown, who's 40 years old, but like it just now happened for her quote unquote mm-hmm. visibility because, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Her, her visibility and social media is that it works in that way, right? So I think it's so beautiful to see that blossom for her. But I also feel like that's why you see a lot of these older actresses like Tracy Ellis Ross, like, um, a lot of these older black girl actresses who can still mm-hmm. play 30, who could still play 35 because uh-huh. nobody was checking for them at 35. Not like that. Right. Or yeah. 30 mm-hmm. or 25. Mm-hmm. Right. But now she gets blackish at 42 or something. 43 yeah. or, you know, she was in her 40s when she got blackish and uh-huh. others like her, you know, um, Regina Hall, um, yeah. all of, you know, that the 90s black girl yeah. crew that are now inching towards 50 mm-hmm. right they're getting their regina hall who knew she was that damn funny right just right. now at 48 47 mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so i think because you're not aligned to that at a younger age yeah. right it's going to take a longer time to get to that point and and, the, and by the point you mean where white people know that because we've we've seen right these people throughout our lives we've seen you know Two to seven. Like, you know, like, so we've mm-hmm. seen them, but when it comes to like white audience, you know, to be specific. White audiences, because you're a black writer and you're trying to get yeah. your writing out into the world. But a mm-hmm. lot of times white people are the ones that have the producer money, Yeah, you know? So then you're catering to their audiences, but it's like, well, when will our stories just be taken for what they are as opposed to why do I got to add more? Why do I have to add a gentrifier like her story? Why do mm-hmm. I have to add a gentrifier? a visible gentrifier inside yeah. of this black story. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause then yeah. it changed her story. Right. Mm-hmm. And it had to go mm-hmm. on Broadway in that way. So I think um, when you don't align as much or, you know, you're working on a more local level, people are not going to see you as, as much, right. but I've been able to travel the world though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just not on Broadway. I'm just not on Broadway. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes that could be a lot more impactful not being on Broadway because you're able to, to reach the people in ways that Broadway, you're like, it's, you know, it's, it's unattainable. You know, there are pros and cons to everything. I'm not saying it's, you're, you're going to like be, yeah. avoid whiteness altogether, but right. you know. One of the underlying stories of this as Rada in this film is trying to get her play to Broadway and coordinating with these white people to make that happen. There's this discussion of poverty porn. There's this discussion of white theater goers, white consumers of content seeking out what we typically call black trauma porn, struggle porn. We call it at Tea with Queen and Jay, black misery movies or television. And I thought that that was really interesting. And it made me think I'm going to pivot because I've been wanting to talk about this shit for a few weeks now. Mm -hmm. But let's go. We on our Patreon episode, we reviewed the film Charm City Kings, right? 
We both like the movie. Uh, have you heard of that? Yes, movie? the boy know? from okay. um, isn't he from a uh, new edition? The young, the was young boy from New Edition. He was a New Edition, but he was Ricky, wasn't he? Like the young Ricky. Anyway, he grew, remember, he grew up, but he was he in. Up. He was in Queen and Slim. He was in that for okay, as well. Okay, he played okay. the kid in that. Uh-huh. Right. Yes, I heard Charm City. So Baltimore, right? Set in Baltimore. Yes, yeah, Baltimore. Yes, yep. it's a cute film. There is some tragedy, but I didn't feel like it was trauma porn. Yeah. It was a good enough story, but again, there's still some tragedy. There's still like some criminal activity, mm-hmm. you know, some death or whatever. Things that I would call tragic, but it didn't feel abusive or like pornographic, right? To okay. that yeah. to that extent, right? Or excessive. Or yeah, excessive, right. Excessive. So I was yeah. okay with yeah. it for the most part. So the film is based on this documentary called 12 O'Clock Boys. I love documentaries. I enjoyed the film. I like bike culture. So I was like, oh, great. I'm going to go and watch this documentary. So, so much of the bones of the story that takes place in charm city kings is taken from this documentary except for a lot of the tragedy yeah a lot of the criminal elements within the film and i was so disappointed because the documentary has so much good sauce to it it's so much good shit within that is black joy and it made me think did they have to add criminality mm-hmm. certain kinds of struggle certain elements of black pain did they have to add all that to get this movie made and i don't want to mm-hmm. i don't want to go to point for point but in the documentary somebody passes away in the documentary but it's from natural causes in the film is due to gun violence killed yeah, yeah. killed yeah uh-huh. in the documentary Everybody rides together. All the gangs, no matter what gang you're in, when we're on the bike, we're one big mob. We ride together. It's like we forget about the gang shit. We forget it. It's a community. It's a community ride. In the film, right? So there's no discussion in the documentary about gang shit at all, except to say when we're on the bikes, we ride as one and it's all good. Mm -hmm. In the fucking film, there's this whole con- narrative about gang life and gang shit. And it's so yeah. central to the story of these bikes. And to me, it's so powerful that in real life, it was discussed in this documentary as a unifying force and how powerful yeah. and how interesting that could have been to he- to see as a story. Mm. In the mm. film, there is a mentor figure who rides bikes but also has a whole entire job has a house and on a good side of town has a lawn that he waters and shit like that but he also protects and rides with the boys or whatever right in the film that figure is a formerly incarcerated person Mm. who is doomed potentially to end up back in prison You know what I'm saying? So even though Charm City Kings is not trauma porn, it does tell a tragic story. There were all of these elements of doom and gloom and disaster and and criminality added to the story as if this was the only way our stories could be told told. to a white audience. Right. 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 And I was so disappointed because I felt like I was tricked. I watched this story and I was like, okay, there are things about this that I don't love. Yeah, but it's a good. feel abused after watching it. Exactly. I didn't feel abused by it. But then to go back and watch this documentary and see that there were so, this was a, a great documentary and there are so many elements of black trauma 
that they injected into the film that wasn't even there in this documentary that was already challenging because life as as poor black folks is hard enough. That's a, yeah. There's a story in that enough where you don't have to add fucking criminality, gang life, and all of these stereotypes and what you think of us in order to tell this story. So yeah. it's just like, even in our fiction even in our black stories our fiction like we can't be free we can't win you know what i'm saying so it just reminded me it just reminded me of that um and i'm sorry that i'm using this highlight from this film to bring up this thing that has been pissing me off but it was just so real because Mm -hmm. it's like this even when you think you have escaped trauma porn poverty porn they have still found a way to make this salivating to white people who want to see us in misery even in fiction Right. I would want to know who's the producer of this film. That's first. And I would also want to know mm-hmm. who wrote it. Um, mm-hmm. Because a lot of times you have, it might start off as a black writer and then, then you'll have other writers inside of it that will pivot the, you know, yeah. the, the, the story. Barry Jenkins was one of the writers of the screenplay. Okay. Um, but, and there, it seemed like there was a team and he was a part of that team. Okay. Um, but that was another reason why I was disappointing. But you're right. Who knows yeah, that, what the initial yeah, story was and got watered down to. Especially because I'm going back to 40-year-old version. We mm-hmm. saw how they altered her story within the movie and how they could just come in and just like jack up your shit, edit your shit and whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like you've, you've already signed on. <laughs> you know, like you've already like committed to doing this thing. And then they start making these changes down the line where you've already like kind of committed like she right. did know that there would be some changes but I, like to that extent i'm sure that's not what she wanted or expected it to right. that extent and then it's like they know they know that your back is up against the wall they know that as a black person you're we generally do not have wealth so mm-hmm. dangle this money in their face because you know that they need to pay their bills with this or you're not gonna mm-hmm. have this yep. shit like what do you think we're gonna say Mm-hmm. What do you think we're going to say? Right. We're going to sign the contract and do the thing. And then, like she did in the movie, kind of hate yourself later. Right. But a bitch got to eat. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 interesting. Because you, you, you don't value me anyway in the first place. So I'm underpaid. So then I got to yeah. work harder just to get the pay that I deserve. Mm-hmm. I got to work extra harder. So it's like, again, another spinning wheel like a hamster in a spinning wheel yeah yeah capitalism yeah. is the is the drive is yeah. the pellet of food mm-hmm. on a lighter more fun note hey. it was really good to see someone 40 approaching 40 trying mm-hmm. something new doing yes. some new shit because again mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier there's so much pressure on get everything out of the way do everything now so that you can settle down by the ripe old age of 35 because anything after that it's time to die just off yourself like you don't matter anymore so it's cool to see her trying something new Mm -hmm. yeah buy something new she decided that she like we said when we intro the bio of the movie she decides that she's a rapper her name is vitamins prime she finds a producer who later becomes her love interest but she finds a producer on the gram and decides like yo i you know i could spit and i'm going to record this shit and i'm going to be a rapper and of course her friend who was also her manager right Mm -hmm. was like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) (laughs) like what what is what is this you're like what is this and let's be real i'm kind of really only your manager because i'm your friend because 
as far as these markers of a success are, you're not doing that. And now you want to fucking rap? And she's like, uh, duh. Like, I like that she was very, like, she didn't question it. She didn't, like, whatever. Like, when he was like, what the fuck? She's like, okay, well, I got to go to the studio. Like, it wasn't like a... Am I doing the right thing? Is mm-hmm. this a midlife crisis? Because they like to put that a lot on that too. Yes. When people start to do new things and figure out new things in their mm-hmm. life, there must be something wrong. Mm-hmm. They must be yeah. lacking something. They must mm-hmm. be trying to fill a space. And it was just like, nah, I woke up today. It was like, I'm a rap. And I'm going to do that. So I like that. I do like that she went and did that. I did like the studio scene because I have been in many recording studios. Oh, MG. It's real. In that way. Yeah. Like, I'm like, do all of them have ripped up couches? Like, all of them. Like, like, <laughs> no windows. All of them have, yeah, it's no foggy windows. foggy as hell. Like, there's like 25 of them in one area. <laughs> it's all the all the yeah. little minor details of what makes it so accurate. They all have that black leather couch with the. Always. Where it's, where it's just like a little Always. bit of rips in it. Or some and shape. the producer that grunts. Mm hmm. <laughs> he just grunts. <laughs> just grunts. Like, did you like it? Uh, mm. You know, like, yeah. come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like, just so, like, unmoved. Like, why the fuck are you a producer? Like, like why? <laughs> why are you producing shit and you act like you don't like music? Yeah. And then she woke up something in him because she was good. And yes. so then he was like, what are you doing? What are we talking about? What are we, what what, what, what are you rapping about? You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When it came to, like, the other rapper. So I did, I did mm-hmm. like that she just was just like, yo, I'm gonna just do this, do this shit. And I like that there was no... Of course, later, like, when she did her, the open mic or whatever, she fucked up. And then it was just like, okay, that's not a good idea anymore. And she moved on. Like, it yeah. wasn't like, oh, my God, what right. am I doing? Right. It was just like, whoa, I fucked up. Shit. Yeah. Well, she did have a moment like that. She did have a moment like that. But it was that night. And then she seemed to. And then she moved on. But I would be embarrassed, too, if I went on stage or whatever. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't like it didn't become this downward spiral. It didn't become this, like, big, epic thing within the story. And then D took her out again. D took her out after that. Mm -hmm. He was like, okay, you messed up. All right. All right. I'm going to take you somewhere else and then do that Mm -hmm. thing. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's exactly what happened to me though. Um, Mm -hmm. My music, my music was not, um, I mean, exactly. Almost exactly. That's what people say when people texted me and said, they, they took your movie, they took your life and put it in a movie Mm -hmm. because I was doing uh, all my singing all over. I was, I had a band. And I'm like, mm. I can sing. You know what I mean? I'm out here. And um, I mean, I don't think they know what to do with church voices in, in, in real life, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I just I sound like a grandma since I was 12. I don't know what to tell you. But um, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, so anyway, uh, I was, you know, going all over the city, you know, as you do, you go to all the venues that you feel like you have to go to in New York to say that you put it on your artist resume list or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just wasn't going well for me. I was more broke paying out my band than I was getting actual funds. And I'm like, I'm not doing this open mic. I'm not doing this band stuff anymore because I'm broke. And I said, I know in college I was doing one woman shows. So mm-hmm. I'm going to attach my music to the one woman shows. And so Brown or Bluegrass was like about me in Kentucky or whatever. And I didn't really rap as much, but I was like, you know what? I'm a rap. 
Mm. Because I was tired of all the misogyny in the underground hip hop NYC scene. Everybody always thinks we should be rapping about lip gloss and lipstick and makeup. Like we can't talk about nothing else in the entire fucking world. Well, you can do that or you can also be wild misogynist and patriarchal. Wild misogynist and patriarchal. Yeah, those those are the lanes that you're given because the men are the gatekeepers of hip hop. And so you're, mm-hmm. you have to name every producer, every director, every writer of every hip hop album ever for you to even be a lover or connoisseur mm-hmm. of hip hop in general. Yeah. Like that's what mm-hmm. they do to women in every genre. Right. So yeah. every, every, you know, whether it's gaming, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. they want to see your cosplay, people. anime, anything like that. They yeah, want to yeah. know, do you know 1955 Sports. edition of volume one? I'm like, come on, dude, dude, you don't even know that. So mm-hmm. the point is, I was like, well, I want to rap now. I want to rap. And mm-hmm. I, I know hip hop enough where I can do it. And also y'all are trash. So, and I was rapping when I was younger, <laughs> right? I was rapping when I was younger, but then I got scared because I'm in New York. So uh, I did that. And that was the most successful thing I did. Like mm-hmm. successful, mm-hmm. meaning I've gotten paid by Tubman more than any other thing I've done. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing Tubman alone and reimagining her story and rapping as Harriet Tubman. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, but not as her, but like when she was younger. But anyway, the point is, mm-hmm. that's not what this is about. But the point mm-hmm. is, is that that happened. And sometimes you have to do that beca- and pivot because it's like, well, how I, I need to eat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I don't care what nobody says. As a creative, people have to like your shit. Yeah. Somewhat. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not at Erica Badu level yet where you can do whatever you want and still get paid. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not at that level yet. Selling vagina scents. Yeah. Like for 50. (laughs) She can do whatever she wants. Actually, you know what I'm saying? This is the hay that I chewed on that created bodyism. It's sold out. It's literally a million dollars and you're good. I can't do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There are still people in the world who don't know who I am at all. And because of that, the work that I've been doing and I'm not going open mic, there are 25 year olds that that think I'm 25. I'm like, bitch, I was Mm -hmm. doing open mic when you was in middle school. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. there's a a lot of things that you, that push you to, I got to do something new because you know, I I might be irrelevant. You know, there's also that irrelevancy conversation Mm -hmm. that comes up. You know what I mean? So I think that's also, Mm -hmm. but new things was very beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was cool. My grandmother was always trying something new. Like my grandmother was a grandma before I got here and then she's still alive and before she was uh right now she has Alzheimer's dementia but like she was trying new things up until she couldn't try new things anymore right. like life you life is long if you if you're lucky life is long you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and like it's a lot that you could do you know so i really i hate the narrative that like you have to get everything out the way and try all kind of new shit before you get a certain age because by then right. you're done you're done right you're yeah. done and you i'm know? like 40 so. is still mad young that's the thing mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like yeah. you know 40 is still so young if you live to 70 right and and of course we hope to live longer than that right yeah but if you are blessed enough to live to 70 you're 40 that's 30 more years that's a yeah. whole person yeah. that's a whole nother that's a adult. whole nother person's life yeah. right like, i mean and think about mm-hmm. tony morrison literally i go back to her all the time because she died at 88 mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. had 48 years, right. yeah. 48 yeah, years bitch. after she mm-hmm. quote unquote blew up yeah. and 40, almost 50 years. Yeah. Yep. And she wrote a book like within the past two years or three or something like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, not to say that we should focus on like what they did between 40 and 48, but she definitely was writing new things and trying new things and doing all those different things. And that's what you do when you're dealing with memory loss. You have to create new like pathways in your brain mm. for, for you to con- constantly hold on to your memory. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you know, you're going to uh, not grow at all. And, and, right. and, you know, your brain has to be challenged in order for you to keep your memory. So yep. that's important Good too. To know. Yeah. Well, this was dope, yo. Thank you this so much, yes. Barry, for talking to us. We really appreciated it. I think the only time we talk about this kind of grown woman shit is when we're talking about fucking auntieism and it was good to have a conversation about yeah being grown it's so again it's so rare that we see it depicted in film and thank yeah. you so much for being willing to yeah. participate this in this dialogue we really really appreciate it yeah, tell us y'all. where we can find you tell us where what you're working on tell us what you got going on first of all i just want to say y'all are the bomb like i have learned oh, so much thank you i've learned so thank much you. from y'all just watching you on social media and just having conversations i just feel like i've learned so much just about even how i talk about things in the world you know mm-hmm. i just appreciate that um, but you can find you. me on Instagram, Barry and Co, B-E-R-R-Y-A-N-D-C-O. And I'm all over the interwebs, um, YouTube, Lucretia Berry. I'm all the things. I'm on TikTok as well as an old ass person. I'm on TikTok like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened, but something happened. And the next uh-huh. thing I know, I'm over here with lots and lots of followers. So I don't even know what to tell you. My kids are like That's giving so me clout funny. now. They're giving me clout. I'm like, really? Because I'm on TikTok? <laughs> They're like, they're like, thank you so much for your comment. I'm like, really? Because you hate me in real life. So I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. Um, but yeah, so Barry and Colin all on most of my platforms. But yeah. So we're going to put all that information in the show notes. Yeah. So thank you so yeah. much again. Um, we did a motherfucking show. Yes. Be sure to follow us on all the social medias. We're on Twitter and Instagram at T with QJ. We are on Facebook and Tumblr, T with Queen and J. As always, you can send us your T mail at T with Queen and J at gmail.com and check out our website, T with Queen and J.com. Did I say the website already? I might have. I don't know. Uh, they can hear it twice it's fine. okay you can hear it twice that's fine <laughs> um, but yeah hit us up on social let us know what you thought about this episode make sure you yeah. send Barry love yeah. we appreciate all if of that good shit if you saw the movie let us know of things maybe we didn't talk about yes. here that you saw great you movie mm-hmm. that's right yo tag us let us know what you thought that's it this podcast was created hosted and produced no by Yes, the hashtag is 40 year old version or hashtag FYO V. That's the hashtags that we're fucking with this week, yo. All right, that's lit. That's nice. lit. Okay. Yeah. So, um, that's it. This podcast was created, hosted, and produced by a black girl named Janicia and a black girl named Naima with special guest Barry. Hey. T with Queen and Jay. We turn up responsibly. Ew. 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 Man, I want I want Barry to say out with us. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, okay. Ew. <laughs> I don't know. One, two, three. Ew. Ew. I'm okay. I'm okay. Listen, I need to talk yeah, to you about too. something. So, last night. Last night was crazy. Last night. Something happened out. Last night. I know, but something Let's happened after. Listen. Right. I think there should be a smoothing silver with Whitney. If we can just. Got a 145. Guess who passed? What? A skinny white dude with the fattest ass. Yo, he was standing with his Becky. When her eyes met mine, she looked away like she was Shane G. They must have had a real love. Oh, that bitch had a fetish for some black girl butt, but a butt, but a butt painted white. Connected to this pink ding-a-ling, it made me sing. White man with a black woman's butt. How you carry all that back there? What the fuck? Yes, what the fuck? Look, just...